welcome to Fast Talk, the Velo News podcast and everything you need to know to ride like a pro. Well, I think one of the biggest mistakes that that Cat 345 Masters makes is they dress inappropriately for the weather. You know, those are the guys that are always out there in the shorts when it's 50 degrees. So the inappropriate dress for the fall and winter so that you look cool is, is really a huge mistake. Um, and if you look at the pro guys, they're wearing leg warmers, arm warmers, and rain jackets until it's damn near 70 degrees. Knee covering, I believe, 65 degrees should be the, should be the cutoff. And maybe it's even warmer than that. The patella and the patella tendon are just three millimeters under the skin. So there's really no insulation for them. If you look back at the old pictures of the in the olden days when I was racing, when they were wool shorts and wooden shoes, we used some stuff called back plaster. And it was before leg warmers. Either you had yep. tights on or you had shorts on. There was no in-between. Uh, and we used it, it was, it was basically felt that had been dipped in a wintergreen-like material, and it would self-adhere, uh, and it's called back plaster because people stuck it on their backs to keep their backs warm, their sorrel backs warm. So we would cut it in squares and put it on the front of our knees. And if you, if you look back at old lace footage, you'll see these guys with this, these little pink squares stuck to the front of their knees, and that's what that was. But in today's technology... You know, there's no reason to leave home inappropriately dressed. That was Dr. Andy Pruitt, who has helped a lot of top pros stay healthy on the bike. And a big part of that is keeping the body warm. So, welcome to Fast Talk. I'm Trevor Connor, one half of your hosting team, joined by my usual partner, News editor, Kaylee Fretz. It's getting cold outside, and the days of lining up the bib shorts with your tan liner behind you. Today, we're going to talk about how to still stay warm on the bike, and more importantly, why you shouldn't be out there with exposed legs even if it does make you look tough. We'll catch up with domestic pro Rob Britton, two-time national champion Chris Baldwin from Day-to-Day Coaching, and Ted King, former pro tour rider. Let's make you faster. The topic of conversation today is cold weather, how to dress for it, how not to dress for it. When we're talking about cold weather, I think the first thing that, that comes to mind for me is, is Spanish riders, and in particular Alberto Contador, rolling around uh, early season training camps, <laughs> covered head to toe, looking a little bit like Michelin Man, you know, face covered, legs covered, arms covered, big gloves, and, and they're riding in places that are not that cold. It seems to be very, a very pro thing to do to, to overdress in the winter, or at least we, we see it as overdressing. But I think in reality, most amateurs are probably underdressing, and, and those pros, are they, they have it right. So we're going to tackle a couple things. A, uh, why it's important to stay, to keep your muscles warm when you're training in the cold. Uh, and Related to that, why things like embrocation are maybe not the best idea, uh, particularly when you're training. Uh, and then B, a couple tips and tricks from the pros and how to dress properly and figure out how to dress properly when you head out the door so you don't screw it up. All right. So we could also call this episode the Trevor Connor Soapbox episode because anybody who rides with me knows how grouchy I get if I see them underdressing and I tend to lecture people. So consider this the the lecture episode. Actually, one of my favorite stories is here in Boulder a couple years ago, 
uh, a rider who I'll let remain nameless, who had been on, on Team Rio Grande, the team I used to manage, got a got a pro contract and his first year on the pro team. I'm heading to the local Saturday morning group ride in February. It was about 50 degrees out, and I bump into him. And he is there in his pro kit with no arm warmers, nothing on his legs. And I just look at him and just go, boy, I'm glad you're not on Rio anymore. And he goes, why is that? And I go, because I'd be embarrassed if you were riding around like that in our kit in this weather. And he's like, I'm a pro now. I'm tough. Just as he says that, I think it was Dombrowski and, and another top-level pro rider pass by us, also going to the ride, and just start making fun of him for how he's dressed. And there, of course, leg warmers, arm warmers, everything, gloves, all that. So we spent the whole group ride, and, and my friend sat at the back hoping nobody saw that he was completely underdressed. But this is an issue, and I will tell you that my experience is most riders, especially at the amateur level, dramatically underdress. And every time I say something, the concern is, well, you know, what happens if I, I, I get too hot? And my answer to that is always, if you're a little overdressed, you're uncomfortable. If you are underdressed, you are doing damage and hurting your training, which is more important to you. And hopefully what we'll do over the next five minutes is explain to you why that is. All right, so Trevor, like I said uh, in, the, in the intro here, you know we always see the Euro pros at their winter training camps totally bundled up, and you know they're in places that are not that cold, uh, but they're still you know the face mask and everything, and, and that might be a little excessive. You know that that goes back to some old some old European wives' tales about you know like your throat getting cold, giving you get, making you sick, right? Which is which is mostly hogwash <laughs> right but, but regardless they they are they are still they're in full leg warmers booties you know gloves arm warmers sometimes a jacket uh and it's not that cold it's, it's sort of 60 65 degrees in mallorca all winter why are they doing that what damage would they be doing to themselves if they didn't dress like that yeah no you go to any pro tour team's website and you look at photos of their training camps they all look like they're dressed up like the michelin man so the physiology behind this, this is actually one of my favorite things in the world to explain. When I started studying physiology... I think that says a lot about you, Trevor. <laughs> I'm a, we're 10 episodes in. You should know I'm a nerd by now. So this was actually my, my first year studying physiology. I learned this, and this was my moment of, this is the coolest thing in the world. I'm going to be a physiologist. And yeah, you can keep laughing at me. <laughs> I will. I would continue to laugh. But this is, this is just cool. And this explains why it is so important to keep your muscles warm. So what we need to look at is the way our muscles work. And, and a very simplified version of muscle fibers is if you zoom in on them, they're basically made of these long chains of things called actin and myosin. And it kind of works the same way if you picture a, a group of people pulling a, a boat uh, with a rope where you grab the rope, you pull it, then you grab further down on the rope and you pull it. That's exactly the way our muscles work. That's how they shorten. So you have this actin chain, which is like the rope, and then you have these myosin fibers that have these little hooks on them that grab the actin, pull it, release, grab it again, and pull it. But What's really cool about this that they didn't discover until about 15 years ago is you would think 
all that energy that's going into your muscles, all that fat and carbs that you're burning, all that hard work you're doing goes into having the myosin grab the actin and pull it. But that's not actually the case. That's the low energy state. All that energy goes into getting the actin to release the myosin and, and kind of snap back so it can grab again. So it takes energy to get the muscles to relax. That seems completely counterintuitive, and I've had a whole bunch of people go, okay, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but think about this. What happens when, when we die? What happens to our bodies? Rigomartis. Right. Every muscle contracts, and you're not generating any energy then. That is actually the contracted state. The muscle held is the low energy state. So here's the issue. If your muscles are cold, they can't use energy as well. It's called the Q10 effect. Uh, everything slows down. We just aren't able to generate energy and use that energy as well. So our muscles are going to stay more naturally in that contracted state. And think about what happens if you have a contracted muscle and you try to forcefully lengthen it. So, if you, I mean, so the other way to, I guess, sort of visualize this is like maybe Velcro, like the, the hook part of the Velcro and then the exactly. fuzzy part of the Velcro, but they're stuck together and you're trying to rip them apart, basically. That's exactly what happens. Right. And that, that causes tearing, that causes damage in your muscles that you don't want. And that's what having cold muscles, training with cold muscles does to you. And the problem is you're on a bike, your legs are pedaling, they're going to keep moving. And if they're cold... Every time your pedal you know, comes through the backside of that pedal stroke, you are forcing your, your quads to lengthen. And if they're cold, they might not have, all that myosin might not have released by then, and you're going to get that forceful tearing. And so they've done a lot of studies on this. They've shown that now a muscle that should be relaxed and lengthening is contracted. So that's called coactivation. They show it, it causes damage. They show it, it causes you to fatigue much sooner. And it also shows, they've shown that you just can't generate as much power. So if you have, if you're overdressed, none of that happens. You're a little bit uncomfortable, but you're still getting good training. If you're cold, you're going to fatigue quickly. You're going to do damage that you don't want. And you're not going to be able to generate as much power. Right, because your muscles are essentially ripping themselves apart if they're cold, because the the Velcro hooks cannot un or cannot detach from the fuzzy bits, you know. In my uh, scientific parlance, there. <laughs> no, love it. Thank you for the analogy, because I I will go too much into the. Well, I I can hear the excitement in your voice, Trevor, and it really it's quite endearing to me. Yeah, the excitement you have explained this. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. This is just the coolest thing in the world. As soon as I learned that, oh, all that energy goes into making our muscles relax, that was I mean, just it, cool. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense. Like you said, if you think about, you know, what happens when you die, rigor mortis, you basically just like seize up, right? That is essentially uh, your, you know, no more energy to to separate the two sides of the Velcro. So, no, it makes total sense. Uh, but this brings us back to why you why you should be wearing leg warmers or tights or whatever all winter and not doing things like wearing embrocation or going bare-legged because you think it makes you a badass. Uh, it really is counterproductive to your training in particular when you're trying to, you know, you're trying to train and recover and train and recover. If it's, if it's hindering your recovery, if it's doing more damage than, than is necessary, 
because it's not good damage. It's not like training adaptation it's damage. It's not productive it's just, at all. It's just bad damage. Uh, yeah, so th- that that is why we see guys like Alberto Contador cruising around Mallorca, where it's not that cold. It's you know it's 65, 70 degrees there most of the winter, looking like you know looking like it's thirty five, basically. And, and that's uh, I, I think you've really hit it. And, and what's important here, we talk about. We're trying to do everything to maximize our training. So we put power meters on our bike. We wear heart rate monitors. We go and do these hard intervals, do all these things that are to maximize the benefits of our training. Yet, why wouldn't you put on knee warmers and leg warmers to make sure you're not doing this, this non-productive damage? Why wouldn't you put these things on that are going to actually improve your training? That's the way you need to look at it. It's not about comfort. Intervals aren't comfortable, but you do them because they make you stronger. It's about making sure you're doing the right type of work in your muscles and the right type of damage that's productive. And you take them off on a cold day. You don't wear the knee warmers on a cold day. You're going to hurt your training. And to be clear here, we're mostly talking about keeping your leg muscles warm. So it's not like you have to wear, you know, a massive winter jacket. Uh, when it's not that cold outside because that's just sort of useless. You're just going to sweat yourself into oblivion, right? But you do want to keep your your legs in particular cold, your leg muscles, or, sorry, your leg muscles warm uh, when it is cold with either like leg warmers, tights, something like that. But there's another important point there. I'm mm-hmm. glad you raised that is also remember you can't go by feel. Mm-hmm. The one thing everybody does on a cool day is they put on the arm warmers, but they leave their legs exposed. And they go, well, I don't, you know, my legs are fine. I'm not cold. You have the lowest density of thermal receptors anywhere in your body in your legs. You have a lot more in your arms and obviously a ton in your hands, feet, and face, which means that when it gets chilly, you feel it in your arms, but you don't feel it as quickly in your legs because they just don't have the thermal receptors. Doesn't mean that your leg muscles aren't cold. You just can't feel it. So you should be wearing leg warmers with no arm warmers sometimes. I mean, I actually, I definitely do that all the time. I do that You look kind of silly, but... But it makes more sense. So what kind of temperatures are we talking about here? I mean, are you saying that, you know, leg warmers anytime it's under 75 or under 50 or under what kind of ranges are we talking about for different types of clothing? So this gets into our our practical advice, but the general rule among pros is below and and everybody's jaw is going to drop when I say this and say, no way. But you talk to a lot of pros and I'll say, oh, absolutely. This is what I do. Uh, the general rule is anywhere below about 65 to 70 degrees is knee warmers. And below about 55, 60 is leg warmers. And I know a lot of pros who will even wear leg warmers sooner than that. Uh, I remember, I think it was Rob Britton who said, why would I ever wear knee warmers? I'd just put on the leg warmers. And again, if you go outside and you feel you need to put on arm warmers, you need to wear knee warmers as well. You should never go out with exposed legs but arm warmers on because that means you're doing damage. That's a good rule. So, you know, sort of blanket rule right there. If you need arm warmers, you need at least knee warmers, if not leg warmers. And and I think that that there is some truth to, you know, if you're going to put knee warmers on, just put leg warmers on. Because if you get some thin leg warmers, you know, you might as well keep your calves warm as well because your calves are also doing work. Uh, You're not only worried about hurting your knees and your quads. You know, all, all, all the muscles up and down your legs are working. Instead of trying to remember what Rob Britton said, we caught up with both Rob and his coach, Chris Baldwin, a two-time national champion, and talked with them about how they deal with the cold. Rob lives in Canada, and Chris is here in Colorado, so they know a lot about staying warm. 
it's just layers and whatnot. Um, and, and breathability, you just don't want to get wet. You're sweating. But you're a big fan of tights, though, in the winter, too, right? Oh, versus, sure. versus like leg warmers. Oh, leg warmers. Always tight. I mean, usually, same in Vic, it's like fenders keep you dry. And everything else is just like, it's all about staying dry because you're going to be warm riding as long as you have like something that breaks the wind. And then exactly. the layers you wear that keep you dry. So, light undershirt, good shell, like whether it's thermal or just windbreaker. And then, pretty much from November through to March, it's pretty much like from in Victoria or anywhere it's cold, it's tight. So, the leg warmers just because they keep you warm and they fit better. And I think the mistake that most people make is that they, they, they perhaps some people do what you say, but a lot of people overdress. They're wearing something that doesn't breathe. A windshell or whatnot, mm-hmm. they sweat and they get cold. I think that's the most common mistake. So I think breathability stuff is as long as it's dry. You know, we're talking about rain, dry, dry, two totally different things. But as long as it's dry, I think breathability is key. And to maybe, I like to start out with that windbreaker on something that's you know, and then take take that off the second you start to build up your own body heat and let let let, let the breathability. So keeping it with layers so you can take it off is yeah, really key exactly. as well. Yeah, like, uh, you know, start out with that windbreaker on, take that windbreaker off as soon as you start getting warm. Yeah. Same thing with, like... Keep your head covered, keep your feet covered, keep your, you know... Yeah, I was going to say, extremities, your hands, feet, and head. It's like, as long as those are comfortable, it's like I find everything else kind of takes care of itself. Sure. Because if your feet are warm, it means your legs are usually pretty warm. Because the blood's flowing. Tights are good, too, because they usually come up, you know, cover half your torso as well. Right versus, like, one breath. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of the same as Chris. Like, uh, there's a big difference between racing in the cold and riding in the cold. But I think for riding, it's just like I've never, I've never gonna figure out any warmers on like a cold, like fall day when you could either just wear like a full light warmer or yeah, like tights. And like, it's just, it's just easy enough to get like a little bit of tendonitis. Especially when you're just sort of starting to get back into riding. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, it's not that bad. And, like, I've got a bunch of teammates who, like, I roll up in, like, leg warmers, like, a pretty okay. decent vest, and, like, long sleeve jersey, and a hat and, like, full finger gloves, and they'll roll up in, like, arm warmers, light vest, and, like, you know, just, like, nothing on their legs. And that's it. So what about rain? Any good tips for when you're in the rain every single day? Uh, yeah, fenders, hat makes a big difference. Keeps out of your eyes because glasses fog up in about two minutes when you like start sweating. So you just run a hat, and then make sure you have some. If it's cold, you gotta have good gloves because your hands get wet. And then that's neoprene. like yeah, neoprene is pretty much like the best stuff out there. Feet, it's just I'm gonna get wet regardless. Like rubberized shoe covers. Yeah, yeah. Good socks and. I don't know, if you're, if you're lucky enough to be on, like, a team where you can get shoes easy enough, you can get one size, like, or half a size bigger, just you can put, like, socks in there that just leaves a little bit of, like, room for heat and run thicker wool socks. It's that, it's that serious, man. <laughs> uh, but fenders, fenders is the biggest thing. Same. If you just run, like, good fenders, that's, like, you know, 90% of the battle right there. So what about races when you're on a cold, wet day? all the same stuff applies although you know you're going to be building up more body heat it's easier to warm up I find a race than it is to cool off and like, unzipping layers and like a moving sail 
Those are always the funniest days in the motor in the bus or the van before the race starts when all the guys are <laughs> What are you wearing? Comparing notes about what they're gonna do. Everyone has a different different slant. Different strategy yeah. for what they're gonna wear. Yep. Jacques Mains. Yeah. Shorts jersey. Right. Jay. Night warmers. Like yeah. Thermal jacket. Gloves. Yeah. Everyone's got something different. Yeah. Plastic bags underneath booties and Oh that's a good one, yeah. Just what you find works for you, huh? Yeah. What do you guys think of the embrocation? Have you tried it? I don't use it. I mean I think it works. It's just some more thing to wash off my legs at the end of the day. <laughs> it I guess it for for like yeah. Some cold days I've had like good luck with it, and like, it just helps. Some stuff is like pretty mild, and you don't notice as much as just like I think it's just the rubbing of your legs at the start of the race. It kind of warms them up, and racing itself takes care of it. But then uh, other stuff like I've used for like road and cross. I even use some stuff if it's just like kind of cold and damp at home for training. I'll wear it underneath leg warmers just to keep a little bit warmer. Like put it on around your joints, like your knees, or like. Inside of your thigh. Any good anecdotes, stories of riding in the cold or racing in the cold? Lessons learned the hard way. I just, I just, I just stopped three times in a downhill this year in Santa Cruz, wearing like what I would normally wear for like a cold, wet day, and do jumping jacks so that I could feel my hands again and my feet. I couldn't hold on to the bars or pedal. Everything hurt so bad. Stop on the side of the road and do jumping jacks so I could feel my hands again. And I was just like being out and awesome. Rain came in, it was like three degrees Celsius in the top of the mountain. And I had all the stuff I would normally wear for like a bad day, but I was already wet and it was cold. You ride downhill, you don't really produce any heat. So I was, I've never been so cold in my life on a bike. I've never had to do that ever. And I come from a place that's winter six months of the year. So the worst of races though, when it catches you off guard in a race. What do you do? Just suffer through it? Yeah, you do your best, you know, you go back to the car. I remember one stage in Shanghai Lake in China, we had uh, hail, rain and hail, sleet at eight, 9,000 feet on a plateau. And I just had raincoat after raincoat after raincoat on top of each other. I think I had three raincoats. <laughs> just those cheap plastic raincoats <laughs> stacked on top of each other. I mean, everyone's got those stories and you're just going to suffer. Yeah. Hopefully you can shift, you know, the shift and break with your thumb yeah. up and down. It's definitely part of it. Tour of Georgia, we had a stage, it was super cold one year. Again, 90 degrees one day and then all of a sudden freezing cold rain. That's what cuts you off guard. It's not the, the times of year that are normally cold that get you. And again, we're, we're mostly talking about training here. You'll notice that pros are often will not wear the full leg warmers in racing. Uh, because you are overheating in a race would be sort of more detrimental than in a training ride. Uh, and you generally have more time to recover after a race. So what about embrocation? I mean, uh, it's super popular with cross riders. Cross riders are often riding in the cold, uh, you know, in early in the morning, all fall. It can be very, very, very chilly. But they seem to believe that warming the outside of their legs, warming their skin is also warming the inside of their muscles, which I just sort of with a, with a basic understanding of the science doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Is it true that they should really be – cross racers should really be in leg warmers pretty much the entire season? I mean if you live somewhere where it's chilly – yeah, ideally, yes, you're going you're gonna to keep using the leg warmers, you're going to keep using the, the knee warmers. But I know embrocation is really popular, people see the pros using it. 
But I've talked to pros about that, and a lot of them said the same thing. Look, if we were allowed to wear leg warmers, we would. We just don't have a choice to use the embrocation. The issue with embrocation is what you feel and what's actually going on physiologically are two different things. So you put on the embro, you might feel as warm as if you were wearing knee warmers and leg warmers, but that doesn't mean you're getting the same effect. And the issue that you have with embrocation is it makes your body think that it has now warmed up. And that's going to change blood flow, but it's going to change blood flow the wrong direction. So when your muscles are actually cold, when there's a lot of cold on, on your skin, your, your body's going to keep the blood away from the skin in order to keep it warm, in order to keep the muscles warm. If you have the embrocation on there and it believes it's warm, that's going to change the blood flow, more blood flow to the surface. And actually what's going to happen is then you're going to lose heat and it's going to actually cool the muscles down further. So you might feel warm, but your muscles are going to be colder than if you did nothing. And that's an issue. There you go. Velenu's top tip, Embro is kind of nonsense. <laughs> yeah. So it could actually makes your legs nice and shiny damage. though, you know? Makes your legs nice and shiny. That's very important to have shiny legs, I think. Well, it does look cool and it makes your shower <laughs> afterwards really exciting. <laughs> but the Embro, yeah, it makes your legs look nice. Maybe it makes warm up a little bit more comfortable because you're already your legs already feel warm. Uh, but you do have to keep in mind that you're not actually protecting your legs from that cold. You're doing muscle damage. So particularly in training, when you're worried about recovering, you know, for, for the next training session, definitely keep those legs covered. If it's chilly racing, you know, if you're going to take a day or two off after anyway, you can, you can, you can probably recover. Um, and you do want to make sure you don't overheat. So maybe Embro is a good way to do it. But, uh, yeah, for training leg warmers. The thing for me has always been was the discovery of these sort of thinner leg warmers because I, that's basically I mean, here in Colorado where almost every day that we ride is sort of mid 40s, low 50s most of the time, even in the middle of winter. Um, I just go with those because like I can go climb flag even in the sun, even when it's warm and I don't overheat, at least not too bad, uh, but they're still warm enough to be keeping my legs warm, you know, descending, riding the flats, whatever, windy, cold. Uh, it really has to get down to probably, you know, 45 or, or, or less degrees um, before I need to stick on anything, anything more hefty than those. Uh, and they're, they're great. They're just, the ones I like are the Rafa Marino ones. And then I have, I think they're Giordana maybe, and uh, they're knit. So they're like a polyester knit. And so they, they articulate, it's like a sock basically, like they can build a heel in, right? So they build a knee in and they t articulate around your knees really, really well. So they're just, I just forget that I have them on, and that's been a massive game changer for me. That and Merino Blend undershirts, which are incredibly warm and wicking in the wintertime. My other favorite. I just think having all the options. You shouldn't yeah. just have one jacket. You should have the different thicknesses of leg warmers and, and tights. And It's amazing how cold it can be outside, and if you put on the right layers, you can actually go out and, and do a comfortable ride. And you know me. I've gone out when it's zero degrees and done four-hour rides. And ride to Estes Park when it's already snowing. Yeah. Yeah, I still remember the time I was coming home from one of those rides. I'm coming down a hill. There's about half a foot of snow to a foot of snow on the ground. It's, it's coming down hard. 
And it was February 14th, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, I, I could deal with this. It's a little bit dangerous. And all of a sudden, this car just comes by me, slides right off the road, right in front of me. <laughs> and then the, the thought I just have is, yeah, my girlfriend's going to be really upset if I die on Valentine's Day, <laughs> so I had to lift. Trevor was kind of notorious for these kind of bicycle, crazy bicycle rides, you know, heading out when most of us would have maybe hit the trainer or pair of cross-country skis or something like that but yeah I mean, you, you really can you can dress for anything and i think that um you know if you're really wondering how to dress for super cold weather like go take a look at photos of some of the fat bikers right i mean just like just go do a google search of what the what mountain bike fat bikers are wearing and granted they it's slightly different you know they're often just wearing snow boots because they run flat pedals but um you know the, the clothing that they're wearing is you know they're riding in in well well below freezing in really bad weather and it's it's pretty comfortable and granted they are moving slower uh maybe go buy yourself a fat bike maybe that's our final cold weather top tip is buy yourself a fat bike because you travel about six miles an hour (laughs) you know i actually that is a really good point and that's one of my strategies is i don't want my bike going 20 plus miles an hour in the cold weather it's cold yeah in the winter, I ride my cross bike. I ride it with cross tires because that's going to slow me down. Yeah, I mean, I ride mountain bike a lot in the winter, uh, either mountain bike or a fat bike. I mean, because like you said, I mean, the, the faster you go, the higher the wind chill, right? So, it, you know, you're going to get the same training going 12 miles an hour on a mountain bike as you would going 18 on a road bike. Uh, you're still producing the power. Uh, you might as well, you know, save yourself a little bit in the, in the comfort department. Um I think the key there is just make sure that the bikes are set up somewhat similarly, which is tougher on a mountain bike. It's tougher to get the bars far right. enough, far enough and low enough. But um, yeah, they don't it doesn't have to be exact. It just have to be sort of somewhat it's be similar. Close, but that's yeah. why I like the cross bike, and I just leave the tires at a really low pressure and then right. just keep it really slow. Right. Yeah, and then if you get caught in a storm too, you're not you know you're not worried about it like you like you were caught in that snowstorm. You might have been better yes. off if you had been caught on a cross bike. You know, at least then you're confident that you're not going to just eat it. Before we offer our take-homes for staying warm, and there's a lot of them, we got some alternative perspectives from Ted King, a recently retired professional rider who raced with Cannondale Draft Pack last year. I don't have a particular technique. I don't say the temperature is X, and therefore I'm going to wear Y. I think it's very individual. I think it's person to person. Uh, I think if you're European, particularly of uh, Mediterranean descent, then... You're going to overdress. You're always going to overdress. You're going to wear a neck gaiter when it's 60 degrees. You're going to wear snow pants when it's 65 degrees. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of person who generally likes to underdress. I pref- and not to a detriment. Like I like being cool much more than I, uh, despise being overdressed and overly warm. You know, I think there's a time and place for an undershirt. I think when it's, stiflingly hot and people are saying that they're wearing their undershirt and their wicking hat because it's keeping them cool. I think that's crazy. I think particulars are important. I think, I mean, like I said, it's individual for me in particular, my fingers and toes will get cold when it's freezing. And I'm from new England. So when I'm talking about cold, I'm talking about like teens. My priority is to keep those things extremely warm with uh, massive thermal boots or, you know, enormous, ski mittens and then the rest of my body will actually stay incredibly warm with basics with a standard long sleeve undershirt and then a thermal jacket keep your head warm keep your toes warm keep your fingers warm and the rest of your body will in general pick up with those trends 
you keep those things freezing and you're probably going to be cold. So a couple take-homes here. The thing I can't emphasize enough is, is the head's feet and hands. You have them fully covered and when I ride in the winter on a cold day, I can barely use my hands because I'm using the thickest gloves I can find with a layer underneath, but it yeah. keeps your hands warm. The the thickest booties that you can find. And you can actually now get these really good sh- kind of, what do you even call them, shoes, almost boots that still have the, the you can put cleats on them, but yeah. they are like ski boots. Yeah, like winter riding shoes. Yeah. Lake and, makes a really good one. Um, Lake and I think CD makes one, Specialized yep. makes one. Yeah. And they're amazing. Yeah, they're really good. A lot of times you can only put an SBD cleat on there, which is, you know, it's a mountain bike pedal, uh, which is not the end of the world, really. You just throw some mountain bike pedals on for the wintertime. It's better if you have to get off the bike. You don't get all jammed up anyway. Um, I think there are a couple sort of temperature rules as well, uh, and it's going to vary very slightly for different people. You know, some people, I think, sort of run hot, run cold. Uh, but generally, wearing something on your legs if it's under – about 70 degrees, particularly if it's not sunny, is, is a pretty good rule. And then from there, you're really just talking about gradations of, of thickness of, of leg covering, right? So you should definitely have in your in your clothing arsenal a couple different thicknesses of leg warmers, uh, all the way up to sort of heavy winter tights, and make sure that you are that you are paying attention to how warm it's going to be, how cold it's going to be, and, and using those different gradations of clothing to match up nicely. So I think one of the big problems is a lot of people they'll go out and buy one pair of leg warmers. It'll be big, thick winter leg warmers, and then then they really feel like they cannot wear them if it's over about 50 degrees, and they have this big. 20 degree gap 50 to 70 where they really need their legs covered and they just don't wear anything or they wear like little tiny knee warmers or something like that that's a mistake and the other thing is you know if you particularly if you live in a dry climate invest in some leg warmers that are sort of on the thinner side so that you can wear them sort of comfortably into higher temperatures i mean uh, i know they're they're a bit pricey but rafa has a as a, a set of merino leg warmers that are i can wear into probably 70 degrees even climbing um there's a couple sets of sort of knitted polyester type leg warmers out there. I think uh, Vermark makes a pair. Look into something like that. Uh, they're great up to, you know, sort of in that 55 to 70 range where normally you might just switch to knee warmers or nothing. And it keeps keeps your muscles much happier that way. And you don't you don't overheat because they're uh, they're not super thick. You don't need full on winter leg warmers when it's when it's 65 degrees. Absolutely. Do you have any more uh, hard and fast rules, Trevor? Yeah, I think one of the best rules of thumb I ever heard was try to keep your body the same temperature all year round. So imagine a a nice day, 75 degrees out when you're outside and just uh, shorts at a jersey, how that feels. And then all year round, you want to dress so that's about how you feel. So as it gets colder and colder, you need to be putting on more and more layers. Um, I am a huge believer in, in lots of layers. Don't go out and get the big, thick winter jacket and wear a, a thin jersey underneath it because then you basically have two options. Instead, wear an undershirt, wear a jersey on top of that, then a vest, and then maybe a jacket or the jacket and then the vest. So you have four layers. And then as you go out for a ride and you warm up, and let's say you're going up a climb, you can take a layer or two off, keep yourself the same temperature as opposed to overheating out there. Uh, the more you can do it in layers, the better. Another thing, just a personal rule of thumb, is once it starts dropping below about 50 degrees, 
Leg warmers are fine, but tights are easier. They can be more comfortable, and I'd recommend those over the, the leg warmers, especially because you can get a lot of wind chill around your waist where essentially having both a, a chamois and tights around your waist is going to help keep you more comfortable there. Booties are huge. Big fan of the good thick neoprene booties because you never really overheat your feet. And when it gets really cold out, here's a couple recommendations for how to address feet. Because if they get cold, that's when you start getting in trouble. So first of all, a big mistake people make is they put on a big thick sock and then tighten their shoes down. The issue is that cuts off blood flow to your feet. As soon as you cut off blood flow to your feet, your feet start getting really cold. So I actually, when I ride in the winter, I use a, a normal thickness sock and I actually keep my shoes really loose to allow maximal blood flow. Then what I do is I put a, a toe cover on the front of my shoe and then I put a good thick neoprene booty over top of that and I've been able to go out when it's zero degrees out and keep my feet warm doing that. Same thing with hands. Uh, get a nice big thick glove on really cold days. The lobster gloves are great, but also get a really thin glove. Wear the thin glove underneath on the cold days. That really has an additive effect uh, or almost a, it's almost a multiplier uh, to keep your hands very warm. The other nice side of that is every once in a while you have to do something that requires some fine uh, motor skills like pull your phone out of your pocket, something like that. If you're wearing a thin glove underneath, then you never have to expose your skin to the elements. You can take the thick glove off, but still keep your hand relatively warm. Okay, last couple really quick po uh, pointers, and these ones are up to you. In the winter, using fenders, even though you look like a dork, could really help because that keeps you dry if the roads get wet. Staying dry in general is really important, so use a good wicking undershirt that pulls the sweat away from your body. And the last one is, we, we talked about feet and hands, but also keeping your head warm is really important. And generally, below about 50 or 45 degrees, using what are those, those nice head covers, I, I call them the head chamois, underneath your helmet can really help to keep you warm, especially if it covers your ears. That's all I got. <laughs> there you go. Trevor's top cold weather tips. Uh, and, I, and we should also mention that Trevor is Canadian, uh, which makes him an expert in all things very, very cold. <laughs> yes, just I to, <laughs> just to Just to recap, again, uh, you are doing damage to your muscles, your leg muscles, if you, if you are leaving them uncovered throughout the winter or even when it's just sort of somewhat cold in the mid 50s kind of 60s uh, you are definitely doing damage and keep that in mind when you're trying to you know when you're trying to train day after day beyond that a couple great tips there from trevor uh, and we are going to call it a day thanks for listening once again and we'll catch you next time on fast talk bell news performance podcast mm -hmm.